Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program may go over, as I think a good portion of my programs do go over. So if it does, then the protocol that I've been using for the past, I think, uh, almost eight years, over eight years, is listen to the rest in the archives of this program for your convenience can be accessed 24-7 on your smartphones and your PCs. And I know that there is, a, I, in my opinion, an overemphasis on wanting to see things. Uh, the Bible plainly states, let's look at uh, Romans here. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. It tells us, in verse 14, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? It doesn't say see. It says heard, ladies and gentlemen. So it's more important to hear someone than to see something. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Really, it isn't a preacher's job to, well, it wasn't until recently with um, our modern technology and with uh film and so forth, we got into that, and this is a recent uh, phenomenon here, uh, prior to the uh, 19th century, there was no movies being created, this is a modern thing that, that we have, and unfortunately has contributed to watering down the messages of the Bible, and it has certainly contributed toward people not really wanting to study and learn from the Bible. And this is the reason why, hold your place in Romans 10, verse 14, this is the reason why the prophet Hosea states the following about our people. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that you have forgotten the Torah of my God. I will also forget thy children. Now, let me explain this as far as forgetting the Torah. Uh, quite a few Christians, they do keep a good portion of the Torah, the instructions of Yah. But when God is talking like this, he's talking about, he wants us to keep his entire law, not a, a portion of it and leave the rest out. He wants us to, to keep his entire Torah. If we look at, if we look at James, let's go to James here. 
and he talks about how we should keep the Torah, calls it the perfect Torah of liberty. And he says in verse 22, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And I'm trying to find a scripture where he talks about, he makes a a, uh, comparison. Here we go. James 2, verse 8. If you fulfill or complete the world, Torah, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin, and that's a problem uh, not just uh, in society, but also in our churches and our assemblies. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are, con- are convinced of the Torah as transgressors. Verse 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole Torah, or law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So this scripture proves that we should be keeping the entire Torah, not just uh, pick and choose which parts we want to keep. And unfortunately, in Christianity, the, the biggest part of the Torah that is not kept is keeping the Sabbath and the Holy Days. And that's what I'm going to get into today, today as far as what Hebrew roots is. I think I'm qualified to tell and teach people what Hebrew roots is. I have been keeping the Sabbath and the Holy Days for over three decades. Uh, I was a part of an organization called, uh, which I'm going to talk a little bit about because it certainly is a foundational for me and my wife, uh, the Worldwide Church of God. Quite a few people that are in the Hebrew Roots Movement have never heard of Mr. Armstrong or the Worldwide Church of God. Well, I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, I'm not afraid of you guys going to... uh, Googling Mr. Armstrong and so forth because a lot of what he taught was correct. And however, Mr. Armstrong did not go deeper into the Hebrew roots of the faith. And I know many of you that listen to me want to do that. So if you want to go deeper into the Hebrew roots of the faith, then you should listen to teachers like me and, and others. Because it is, as I'm hoping to prove today, it, it is required to go deeper into the Hebrew roots of the faith. Because if you go deeper into it, then you'll understand the Bible better. You'll have a clearer understanding of the Bible. All right, so uh, this program may go an hour. I put it for originally an hour. I don't know why I uh, shortened it to 30 minutes. I thought I'd be able to uh, get it to 30 minutes. But I, I realize now that this, this, may go, this may go an hour. So anyway, what is the Hebrew roots movement? What just, just what is it? I get people from time to time. They contact me, and they're interested in fellowship. They're interested in, in finding out more about what God is calling them to understand, and them and so forth. And then the, the general trend with me is uh, they they uh, get enough knowledge, and then they go around and start teaching people. And these are people that have just learned about the deeper roots of the Bible for maybe six months, a year, a couple of years, and already they want to teach. And we have to be patient in wanting to learn about the Hebrew roots of the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. We have to to be patient and, and realize that learning something uh, can take some time. It, it usually does take some time. And so... Um, let's tackle this issue with Hebrew roots. 
And it is very important to understand the history behind the Hebrew Roots Movement. And Wikipedia, which is a good source, so you need to check and see whether or not the uh, references are um, reliable when you do use Wikipedia. But Wikipedia is a good source to find out some facts. And I know this article is true because I lived it. I, I, I've lived what they are saying here in this article. So I'm going to read it in its entirety here. The Hebrew Roots, just type in Wikipedia's article, Hebrew Roots. It says, Right here, since the early 20th century, different religious organizations have been teaching, and this is true, since the early 20th century, different religious organizations have been teaching belief in Yeshua as mankind's redeemer and savior from man's own sinful nature and a lifestyle in keeping with Torah. And so that has been going on since the 19th century, ladies and gentlemen. And that's very important to to understand that this is not a, a recent occurrence that's going on right now. And uh, I'm just going to tell you completely what this movement is all about. And uh, I, I just hope that uh, it benefits you, and I hope that it gives you some clarity and understanding about this movement. Okay, so, since the early 20th century, different religious organizations have been teaching a belief in Yeshua as mankind's redeemer and savior from man's own sinful nature and a lifestyle in keeping with Torah the Sabbath, and the annual feast, or Moedim, the Holy Days. These include Messianic Judaism um, in 1916, the Sacred Name Movement, which uh, started with this in 1937, and the organization that I was a part of, the Worldwide Church of God in the 1930s, and later the Hebrew Roots Movement. Thus far, the Worldwide Church of God has had the greatest impact of all organizations which teach these beliefs, including obedience to much of the Old Testament or the Tanakh Torah, both nationally and internationally until about 1994, 1995. Now, since I lived it, since I was a part of it, I think I'm qualified to tell you guys about what happened. In 1994, uh, when Mr. Armstrong died in 1986, what happened is that Joseph Dukach Sr. took over the, uh, the church because uh, Mr. Armstrong had assigned him to take over the church, and he made this abominable video, video and, brought, and, and he distributed to all our assemblies. And we had like over 100,000 people in the Worldwide Church of God worldwide, including you know, international. And so he sent this video out. And the video was telling everyone that it's okay to, to work on the Sabbath. <laughs> so that began the downfall of the Worldwide Church of God. And we, at this point, the Worldwide Church of God has been scattered, and there's like over 300-plus splinter churches. So I, I just it's important for you guys to understand the Worldwide Church of God because many of the teachings that Mr. Armstrong taught I have to be totally honest, they are certainly up there with the Hebrew roots teachers of the day, and some of those teachings surpass what they teach. I know, I've been there, and Mr. Armstrong, even though he did not understand Hebrew, he had a better understanding about the purpose of mankind on this earth, because God opened his mind to reveal these things to him. And without Mr. Armstrong... My, me or my wife would not be where we're at today. 
And so uh, I'm not worshiping a man. I'm just telling you that the tools that God uses, and God certainly used Mr. Armstrong to wake up many people to the fact that they need to keep the Torah, the, the Sabbath, and the holy days. And for whatever reason, God chose not to reveal the deeper teachings of the Bible, the fact that Jesus is a Jew, Yeshua is a Jew, and then we must look at the Bible through the eyes of the greatest Jew who ever lived, and also his people, the Jewish people. And so that's something that, some truth that God did not reveal to him. However, he revealed enough truth for it to qualify as Hebrew roots, because uh, we were keeping the holy days and the Moedim based on, the holy days or Moedim, based on the Jewish calendar. That is certainly Hebrew roots, and we were keeping the Sabbath and the holy days. So I don't know if any Torah teacher will tell you those things, or I don't know if any Torah teacher have the knowledge that I have about it, and, and some other people that were from the Worldwide Church of God that got into the deeper parts of Hebrew roots. I don't know if they have told you this already, or um, I, I don't know, but I, I'm going to tell you, all right? And you need to know this. You need to know what's, what was the origin of the Hebrew roots movement or how did it derive, where did it come from? So anyway, thus far, the World War Church of God has the greatest impact of, on all organizations which teach these beliefs. So that's significant that the World War Church of God had the greatest impact, and I know I lived it, including obedience to much of the Tanakh, both nationally and internationally, or the Torah, rather, both nationally and internationally until about 1994-1995. Within a few years after the death of, of its founder, Hubert W. Armstrong in 1986, the succeeding church administration modified the denomination's doctrines. Yes, they did uh, modify. And I told you the, the greatest thing that they modified was that you don't have to, um, to uh, forsake your jobs on Shabbat, which is a total violation of Scripture there. And teachings in order to be compatible with mainstream evangelical Christianity. So uh, they, it's not just Mr. Armstrong here. They totally went against what he taught correctly to get with mainstream evangelical Christianity, which does not teach that you should keep the uh, the complete Torah, that you can forsake uh, keeping Shabbat in the holy days. While many members and ministers left and formed other churches that conformed to many, but not all of Armstrong's teachings. That's true. The Splinter teach uh, all the Splinter churches. They don't. They pick and choose which ones, um, which of Mr. Armstrong's teachings they want to keep. Now, some of you are saying, "Well, what was his teachings?" Well, let me explain to you what his teachings are that are correct. First of all, he taught that the Bible is the foundation of all knowledge, that the Bible interprets itself, that the whole world is to see. These, scriptures can all, these statements can all be proved by scriptures. And if you want a list of scriptures to, to back these statements up, please email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. I'll be glad to send it to you. God is not a trinity. He's three persons. God is not a trinity three persons and one God. This is easily proved out the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's not a separate being. Uh, in the last chapter of the book of Revelation, it says the throne of God and the Lamb. Where is the Holy Spirit? So and that's just one scripture, but the Holy Spirit certainly is the power of God. Uh, you must repent, receive the Holy Spirit, and overcome the evil of this world to be saved. That's scripture as well. 
Members should support ministers by tithing and giving offerings. There are few people in this evil age who truly obey Yah by keeping his commandments, the Sabbath, and the holy days. God's true servants are being called to become kings and priests in the kingdom of God. We will receive crowns, thrones, and power over nations and cities. Not everyone is being called right now. This is some tremendous truth that he revealed to uh, Mr. Armstrong that uh, is very significant, and this can be proved through the scriptures as well. The United States and Britain in prophecy that all Jews are not Israel, and Israel consists of 12 tribes. This is something that the the Hebrew Roots Movement, they developed this concept called the two-house. They understand that Ephraim and Judah consist of the tribes, but they it appears that I think only one of them, uh, maybe a few others, I know me, don't, seem, don't understand that the Jews are a part of the tribe of Judah, and there's 11 other tribes. Genesis chapter 49 reveals that. And uh, this is some vital truth that you need to understand so that you can understand the Bible, the, the Bible's complete story, and understand Bible prophecy. And I implore you to go to www.b.org, www.b.org for more information, and to, so that you can understand Genesis chapter 49, so that you can understand Deuteronomy chapter 33, the prophet Moshe and the prophet Israel, because <laughs> he, he was a prophet, uh, as well, because he prophesied, tells you what will happen to these tribes in the end time. So you need to know these things. It's very important for you to understand this. Well, God revealed to Mr. Armstrong that the United States and the Britain were in prophecy, and that the United States consists of Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh, and Britain uh, consists of the tribe of, of, of uh, Ephraim. And so... You need to do your research on this. I'll be glad to send you some more information. But truly, your Davidi has done, He's went in, he, since he is an Orthodox Jew, he did a deeper study of this than Mr. Armstrong. And you can go to his website to get more information. You can also get his books. i got several of his books. www.beasinboyritam.org. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer, because a lot of people don't understand this concept, and then they do some research and say, oh, this is British Israelism. <laughs> well, let me explain to you what British Israelism is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the, it's the teaching that the British people are superior than any other um, type of human race, and that's not true. That, it's a prejudice doctrine, although it has elements of teaching some truth that uh, the, the British people are a part of Israel. Well, that is true. That teaching, by the way, uh, Mr. Armstrong did not come up with that. Uh, that teaching has been around for, for, for a long time, and it really as early as the 19th century. I think even as early as the 18th century, uh, people were starting to understand that the British people were a part of, the, um, of Israel. Also, there's a book that Mr. Armstrong used to write his, probably his most effective book he ever wrote, uh, the United States and Britain in Prophecy, and yes, I do encourage you to read that book. It's a good book, one of the best he's ever written, about how the United States and Britain uh, are a part of Bible prophecy. You can Google that and uh, read that book. I, I highly recommend you read it. And also this other book, let me go to Merciful Servants of God Meetup, 
because I, I talk about the 12 tribes because it's so important for people to understand who the tribes are. Uh, it, it really is, is very important. And you go to my website here, I have um, Merciful Service Got Meetup Group website, the book, Judas, Scepter, and Joseph's Birthright. You can get this book for free online and read it. Uh, Mr. Armstrong got a lot of his information from this book. And also you can go to Jewish Encyclopedia and type in uh, the Lost Tribes or and, and so forth, and it will give you some background information of, uh, of that this isn't a new concept about understanding that the British people and uh, the United States, because the United States is, is the daughter of Britain. Britain is, is the mother country, and then the United States is the daughter. They're, they're related, just like Ephraim and Manasseh are brothers. And so I implore you to get this, get this book, read it, get uh, your Davidi's book and read it. It will not, I guarantee you, will not be a waste of your time uh, for you to understand what God revealed to Mr. Armstrong about this. The misunderstanding in the Hebrew Roots Movement about the two-house movement is the fact that uh, I think quite a few of the teachers, they believe that in the end there's only going to be one nation, Israel, and that's easily disproved. In the Bible, if you if you take a look at Jeremiah 36, verse 2, it states that it divides the world into three segments. Jeremiah chapter 36, Jeremiah 36, verse 2, it says, Take thee a roll and write there in all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations. And so remember that uh, Jeremiah was a prophet to the nations. And so that... And there's another scripture in Isaiah chapter 11. Let's go there. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Now, I'm in the process of giving a, a thorough teaching on this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can go to, if you don't if you don't want to wait, and I don't want you to wait, just go to Yer Davidi. He does an excellent job uh, of teaching it. But I'm going to clarify some other things here that is being taught in this movement about two houses. Not two houses, it's three houses. And it's three segments of the world that God is concerned with. Um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. Isaiah 11, verse 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that the master shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Isaiah um, and from Egypt and so forth. And then in verse 12, Isaiah 11, verse 12. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations. So that's one group, right? And shall... Assemble the outcasts, inside means a sign, a flagstaff, a signal for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So you have Judah, and then you have Israel. And for you to understand this, that's why I, I really suggest you get to United States and Britain in Prophecy and read that book, read Joseph's um, Birthright and Judah's Scepter, and then read uh, your Davidi's information to get a clear understanding of who Israel is. Because if you don't understand who Israel is, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to understand the Bible fully. And even even in Messianic Judaism, they 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 go by a false teaching that um, all when King Cyrus made the the uh, announcement that you can go back to the land and rebuild the temple. 
then people assume that all of Israel came back. They did not. I mean, it's easily proven in the first chapter of Ezra and, and the second chapter of Ezra. And people actually believe that all of Israel came back. And then, of course, all, when all of Israel came back, then they are considered Jews today. So whenever someone thinks of Israel, they think of the Jews and only. And, again, the Jews are part of one tribe called Judah. And and if you don't understand that, then you'll misunderstand a lot of other things. And then another big understanding, again, with the two-house teaching, is that it is taught that there's only going to be one nation, Israel. And that's not true, ladies and gentlemen. That is easily disproven. Uh, when you look at the other scriptures, uh, Revelation 21 24, this is in the new heavens and new earth. And the nations, that's plural of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor to it. And so you can see right there that there's going to be other nations other than the nation of Israel, which consists of 12 tribes. The nation of Israel will be the leading nation of the world, and all nations will follow Israel. But that doesn't mean that every nation will be Israel. That is an incorrect teaching that needs to be corrected. Revelation chapter 22 plainly states the following. If you just type in nations uh, in the book of Revelation, it will certainly reveal to you that uh, during the millennium and also after the millennium, there will always be variations of nations. Revelation 22, verse 2, in the midst of the tree of it and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve manners of fruit to you. Her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is obviously talking about some kind of spiritual healing because at this particular point in time, there will be no more pain, no more curse. So there won't be a need for any physical healing. And and so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there will be other nations. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 24 says, As in the nations of them which are saved, time do I have here uh, three minutes and so I'm going to continue on with this this will be for an hour it appears and because this is a very important well they're all important but this is really important to understand what the Hebrew roots movement is and where it came from and where it's going and so uh, I suggest that uh, after maybe 15 more minutes or 30 minutes uh, to check in the archives for the entirety of this message all right so where was I here? I was talking about, oh, the fact that there's going to be other nations, including Israel. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 24 proves that, and also Revelation 21, verse 26, and they shall bring their glory and honor of the nations into it. And in Revelation 22, verse 2, uh, the healing of the nations. So there's going to be a plural, other nations, not just, um, not just, uh, just one nation. Okay, so I need to explain that to you, and uh, I hope that you accept what the scriptures plainly reveal about that. So let's go back to the Worldwide Church of God. It says, consequently, the Worldwide Church of God spawned numerous splinter groups with most of these new churches adopting names bearing the name Church of God and retain the belief system developed by Armstrong. Now, this is important for you to understand. In contrast, the Hebrew roots, or sometimes Hebraic roots, 
is a grassroots movement without an ecclesiastical superstructure, and it does not adhere to the Church of God belief system, nor does it adhere to Messianic Judaism or to SNM, the Sacred Name Movement, although there are commonalities. So there are similarities, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. There are similarities, major similarities, between what Mr. Armstrong taught and what the Hebrew Roots uh, teachers teach. And here, Herbert taught in many that all of mankind should keep the Shabbat and the Holy Days of Yah. And that's really the commonality, the major commonalities that they both are teaching the same thing. But Mr. Armstrong went deeper. I know. I lived it. And uh, when I hear teachings from those in the movement, uh, is geared toward understanding the, the Hebrew background of the Bible. However, Mr. Armstrong taught correctly the potential of mankind and why are we here on this earth. And he taught accurately about the United States and Britain's involvement in prophecy. Those are two major things that that he taught that I don't hear from other Torah teachers. Um, I mean, if, if it has been taught, I haven't heard it. Let's put it that way. Um, and I hope they are teaching that, but that's something that Mr. Armstrong taught quite accurately. He taught also that Jesus kept the Torah and requires his servants to do the same. The gospel is also about a literal government that the Father was established on this earth by Yeshua Messiah. That's in Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. All of mankind will keep the Torah of God in the millennium. The rapture will not occur before the tribulation. And he taught against um, the, the days that, that are derived from paganism, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day, and other holidays that have pagan origins should not be celebrated. Uh, there's a scriptural reference to this, Deuteronomy 12, verse 29 to 32. The potential of humanity is to become sons of God, spirit beings, like Yeshua Messiah, and to rule over angels and the universe. There's scriptural references to this, uh, Philippians 3, verse 21, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 3, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. And Huber did not go deeper into the Hebrew roots of the Bible. And because of that, he didn't have the understanding that Hebrew roots teachers and, and those that are part of the Hebrew roots movement have today. However, it does not discount what he taught correctly. And um, it doesn't make a difference of the did and, and so forth, uh, I mean, none of us are perfect, and um, if we didn't read anything, let's, let's, let's put it this way. People that wrote the Bible were sinners, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so so if we're not going to read something from somebody because they were a sinner or they did some, uh, some uh, sins, that, uh, well, no sin is good. But anyway, the point of the matter is you should... Whatever, wherever truth is at, you read it. Okay, you embrace it. And I encourage you to read his book, the United States and Britain in Prophecy. Like I said, I think it's a very good book. And also, uh, Joseph's um, Birthright and Judas Scepter. That's a very good book to read as well. And also, go to www.britam.org and read your Davidi's information. So, I just wanted to 
to tell you basically about Hubert W. Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God because many of the things that they teach in the area of keeping uh, Torah and the Holy Days, the Hebrew roots teach, uh, teach the same thing. All right, and I just wanted to, to clarify that. And what Hubert taught was a part of Hebrew roots because keeping the Jewish calendar and we were keeping a Sabbath and Holy Days. And the Sabbath is a sign that you are a complete believer in God, that you're keeping all of the um, the Torah to the best of your ability. You're not being a partial believer. All right. So I just want to clarify that. Now let's, let's talk about some other things here about the Hebrew Roots movement. Time Magazine, in this March 24, 2008 issue, states that one of the ten ideas that are changing the world is re-Judaizing Jews. To simplify, you must read the Bible through the eyes of a Jew to fully understand it. And you can Google this article um, on Google, Time Magazine. Just type in Time Magazine, March 24, 2008. And this is one of the ten ideas that are changing the world. That in itself should explain to you what the Hebrew Roots Movement is all about, re-Judaizing Jesus. Mr. Armstrong and his other other organizations uh, started it, but this is the complete understanding of Hebrew Roots. It's not just keeping the Sabbath and Holy Days. It's also understanding that you need to understand the Bible through the eyes of a Jew, the greatest Jew who ever lived, Yeshua Messiah. And this is seismic. Let me read a portion of this article. I have it up here. It's called Rejudaizing Jesus. Recently, a popular blogger, I'm, I'm quoting from the article, let him, let's call him Rabbi Ben, zinged the scholarship of a man we call Rabbi Rob R. Ben, claimed that our Rob did not understand the difference between Judaism prior to the two Jewish wars in the first and second centuries A.D. and later uh Talmudic Judaism, Mishnaic and uh, Talmudic Judaism, and the Mishnah and, and, and the Talmud are uh, Jewish writings that, that expound and, and explain the Bible. He helpfully provided a syllabus. Actually, neither man is a rabbi. Ben Witherington, Witherington is a Methodist New Testament scholar, and Rob Bell is a rising Michigan megapastor. Yet each regards sources like the Mishnah and the Rabbi Akiva, who was a famous rabbi in Judaism, as vital to understand history's best-known Jew, Jesus. Now, that this is this is what Hebrew Roots is all about. Just continue to, to listen to what I'm telling you here. And then I'm going to give you a, a Bible definition of it. Now, this is, it says here that this is seismic, that this is very important. For centuries, the, the discipline of Christian Hebraics consisted primarily of Christians cherry-picking Jewish texts to support the traditionally assumed contradiction between the Jews, whose alleged dry legalism. Legalism is, oh, you keep the law to be saved, and that certainly is a concept in the Bible that uh, is not there. Uh, we, we don't keep the Torah or the law to be saved. We keep it because we love our, our master or should be loving him, and we also keep it because he kept it. First John 2, verse 6, tells you that that you must follow his example and walk in his footsteps, and that is certainly 
part of the biblical definition of Hebrew roots. We follow a Hebrew, a Jew, uh, the greatest Jew who ever lived, his his footsteps, and we do what he did. All right, so, and it says, and who's a uh, dry legalism contributed to their fumbling their ancient tribal covenant with Yah and Yeshua, who personally embodied God's new covenant of love. But today, seminaries across the Christian spectrum teach, as Vanderbilt University New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine says, or Levine says, that if you get the Jewish context wrong, you will certainly get Jesus wrong. Let me explain that to you again. See, see, this scholar plainly states the following. If you get the Jewish context wrong, you will certainly get Yeshua wrong, and that's unfortunately what Christianity has been doing. And it's good that since March of 2008, there has been an attempt in Christianity to better understand uh, Jesus in a Jewish concept. That is the simplest way, ladies and gentlemen, I can explain what Hebrew roots is. And I'm going by my experience. I'm going by all the years that uh, I was a part of the Worldwide Church of God. Uh, We certainly were doing Hebrew roots, but it was never taught to us that Jesus is a Jew, and you must also look at Jewish writings to get a better understanding of what the Bible is saying. We weren't taught that. And back in 2004, I started learning about the deeper background of the uh, Jewishness of the Bible. It's not, And I found that it's not just about keeping Sabbath and Holy Days and about knowing that uh, the United States and Britain is in prophecy. It's much more than that. And so that's that's my journey at this point. Now, John 4, verse 22 is a very significant scripture. Let's let's go there. John 4, verse 22. John 4, verse 22. It says, well, actually, let me start in verse, um, get, let's get the context here. This is a very important scripture here. John 4, verse 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Verse 20. Our fathers, this is in the context of the Samaritan woman by the well. Verse 20. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship, and that's true. Men ought to worship there, and men will be worshiping there in the future. Verse 21, Yeshua said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse 22, You worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Christians of the Muslims, of the people who worship Buddha or think that Buddha is a significant religious uh, figure of truth, etc. No. He says salvation is of the Jews. And he says, we know, he grouped himself with his fellow Jewish brothers, we know what we worship. But salvation is of the Jews. And that's true because if you look at Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, let's go there, Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Matthew 19, verse 27, then answered Kepha, and that's um, Hebrew for Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? In verse 28, And Yeshua said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me 
and the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. All right, so you, we're going to have Jews ruling this earth, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have the, the, the greatest Jew who ever lived rule over uh, the apostles. And the apostles will be ruling over each tribe of, the, uh, of Israel. That's why we need to understand who the tribes of Israel are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and that's a lot of Hebrew roots in, that, in, this, in these statements here that, uh, of Yeshua. And so because of that, we need to understand that we, 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 we have to understand the Jewish people. If you don't understand the Jewish people, you are not going to have a complete understanding of the Bible. I can tell you that right now. So John... Verse 21, Yeshua said unto woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet a Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse 22, you worship ye know not what. We worship what we worship, for salvation is of the what? Of the Jews. All right, so that, that's an important that we must understand that. And then in verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship. And this is interesting, the true the complete worshipers. What's the truth? Truth is Psalm 119, verse 142. There's a lot of false worshipers or incomplete worshipers out here. They're just not keeping the entire Torah. But the true worshipers are those who are completely keeping the Torah, all the Torah, not just some of it. Uh, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Truth, again, is John 17, verse 17. Thy word is truth, the entire Bible and then also Psalm 119, verse 142. Uh, all the uh, truth is Torah. Let's, let's go there. Psalm 119, Psalm one, and that means uh, in English, the law. That was translated law in the King James Version. Psalm 119, verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy Torah is the truth, the, the entire Torah, not some of it. Okay, so, and unfortunately, like I said, in Christianity, they're, I think it's, it's, it's very possible that they're keeping like 61% of it, but what about the other 39%? Truth is truth, and the, the, the Bible wants to lead us into all truth. I mean, God wants us to lead us into all truth, not some truth. John, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 17. It states plainly, John 14, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Right now, the world can't receive it because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. And so that that's very important. And he also prophesied the following, if I can find the scripture here. Um, John 16, verse 13, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of Torah, that's what it is, is come, he will guide you into all truth, not some of it, all of it. You know, and, and you have to keep all the truth, not some of it, and that's what, unfortunately, Christianity is just keeping some of it, not all of it. And to receive the spirit of truth, if you truly have the spirit of truth, then that spirit will guide you into all truth. All the Torah, including keeping Shabbat and Holy Days. And Mr. Armstrong understood that. Again, he just didn't understand that uh, the Hebrew parts of it, and because of that, he didn't understand that, yes, uh, there, there also is a commandment to wear Zitzit, and, and uh, also there's other various commandments. 
but he understood that you should keep the Sabbath and the holy days, which is certainly a part of Hebrew roots. All right, so John chapter 4, verse 22. John chapter 4, verse 22. Um, let's go back there here. You worship, you know not what. We, we know what we worship for salvations of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. And this is significant. The Father seeks those who um, will worship him in truth. And in verse 24, in Torah, God, and that's complete Torah, not just some of it. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, he will certainly be merciful to those who weren't taught this. If this is the first time you're listening to me and, and you realize, hey, wait a minute, uh, uh, this guy must be right because he's quoting from the scriptures and he's proving everything he's saying out of the scriptures, then, you know, uh, you're going to be accountable to what I'm telling you right now, that you should start keeping the Sabbath and the holy days. All right, so... Um, this is a very significant statement by Yeshua. And David Stern, in his uh, commentary, states the following. And this is interesting. Salvation comes from the Jews. Christians should acknowledge their Jewish roots and present close involvement with the Jewish people. Jews should acknowledge more specifically that only through Yeshua salvation, uh, Jews should acknowledge more specifically that only through Yeshua comes salvation. Because Yeshua is speaking to a Samaritan, a non-Jew, I think it is appropriate to, to translate uh, uh, here as Jews and not Judeans. So that, that's his opinion, but uh, the point of this commentary is that he is correct. Christians should acknowledge their Jewish roots, which is called Hebrew roots today. as well. Hebrews means the crossover and present close involvement with the Jewish people. And, and and that's what we should be doing, ladies and gentlemen. We should be having close involvement with the Jewish people. And in Christianity, even though it's starting to happen, since, uh, obviously, since 2008, there certainly needs to be much more happening because there are 41,000 denominations, as I speak, Christian denominations, and they all are teaching things differently. And one of the major reasons why they're not embracing the Jewish roots of the Bible, the Hebrew roots of the Bible, and that's why there is a lot of confusion uh, in that area. Okay, so let's continue on here. And so in Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 1. What advantage then has the Jew? And so here's the Bible. God telling you through the apostle Shaul or Paul, that the Jews have an advantage. <laughs> this Greek word means uh, preeminent, superabundant. And so there is some superabundance that the Jews have, ladies and gentlemen. And also, he says, what profit is the circumcision? Circumcision is a nickname for Jews, also a nickname for their righteous traditions and their correct interpretations which consists of the oral law. And, and there are some things in the oral law that are correct, biblically. Not everything in the oral law is incorrect. And so there are advantages to the Jewish writings and the Jewish traditions. That's what he's saying here in verse 2. And he says, much every way, much, and that Greek word says largely, abundantly. So there is an abundance in Jews and what they teach. 
That's what he's saying. Much every way, chiefly, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of Yah. And and this is so foundational, ladies and gentlemen. This this is what Hebrew roots is all about. Is saying that you can't you can't discount the superabundance of the Jews. Sure, they have taught some things incorrectly, but me and my wife know that a lot of what they teach is correct. We went through uh, two years of Judaism, actually one year. It was six months each year. But we were fellowshipping with Jews. We learned from a professor of, of Judaism at the University of Ohio. And we also learned from a conservative rabbi about the main teachings of Judaism, the main teachings of the Talmud, and so forth. And and uh, we went through all of that. I have the books, the textbooks, and Many of what they teach are correct interpretations of the Bible. What they err on, of course, they don't understand that Yeshua is the Messiah. And just like um, just like uh, Messiah prophesied about them, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter, um, let me go to it here. Matthew chapter 10, I think. When he talks about how the Pharisees overdo the law. They make void the law. Let me see if I can find this scripture here. They make void the law. And that's something that uh, that he was totally against. Them doing it. Okay, here we go. My, my memory is working uh, correctly here. Matthew 15, verse 1. Then came Yeshua, the scribes and the Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Now, keep in mind that all tradition is not wrong, okay? It's just that, just like uh, if you uh, look at um, that famous movie, uh, I think it's Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition, tradition, tradition. Tradition was so important, and it still is to a certain extent, to the Jews that they are willing to not recognize what the Bible says about that tradition, whether or not that tradition should be accepted or not. And, and Matthew 15, verse 2, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3, But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of Yah by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and, and, that, and he that accursed father and mother, let him die to death. But you say, Whatsoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. Um, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of Yah of none effect by your tradition. By your tradition. Okay? And that is the problem that even Jews have today. They overemphasize the Sabbath. They they have things that they say you shouldn't do that's not based on what, how God uh, told us we should keep the Shabbat. And there's, there's a good portion of other things that they overemphasize. But outside of that, a lot of what they teach is correct. And, and Paul is correctly here about the advantage of the Jews and, and, and that their teachings have value. And so I, I want to emphasize that because that is really what Hebrew Roots is all about. That's what it's really about. Let me read to you a commentary that was written by a Jew, a Messianic Jew. He states here, uh, David Stern in his commentary, his excellent commentary. By the way, I suggest you get it. Not everything he talks about is right, but a lot of things that he says is right and is valuable because you get the Hebraic background and understanding of the New Testament. 
uh, Romans 3, verse 1 and 2. Then what advantage or superiority has a Jew? That is the, both, that is the born Jew or Jewish proselyte. What is the value of a proselyte as someone who converts over to being a Jew? What is the value of being physically circumcised according to Jewish law, a member of the covenant people? And that, of course, when you're circumcised to be a Jew, you become a Jew, you adhere to all the Jewish teachings, which the, the mission in the Talmud has quite a bit of it. What is the value of being physically circumcised according to the Jewish law, a member of the covenant people? After the squeeze of Romans 2, verse 17 and 19, one might expect the answer, none. And there has been no shortage of anti-Semites who have decided they know better than Shaul. Oh, my goodness. That, that is certainly a, a, a statement that, that has a ring of truth because in the Hebrew Roots movement, you get people that get a little knowledge and then they think they know more than the Jews or they think that it's nothing that the Jews can't teach them anymore because they finally understand that Yeshua is a Jew. <laughs> and that and it's total arrogance. And, and, and the Bible has prophesied that people would boast against the branches. And we're not supposed to boast against the branches, like the Jewish branches. We're not supposed to do that. All right, so, but Shaul's answer is much in every way, not just in one way or some ways, but every way in which in the first place, and most importantly, especially the Greek word again is proton, is that the fact that the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God, his logia, his divine communication, not limited to his promises or prophecies, the word oracles and king, the King James version implies. This is of first importance because any other advantage of being Jewish stems from Yah's having chosen and spoken to the Jewish people, and he doesn't have the understanding either that the Jewish people is not just, uh, uh, well, the Jewish people is not all of Israel, all right? Uh, but in this, I know what he means when he says the Jewish people, he's talking about all of Israel, and he's right about that. But the correct way of saying this is that all the tribes of Israel but the Jews got the scepter it was their responsibility to keep the Torah and to teach the Torah to imagine that the Jews are special because they have a, a finer ethical issue than others or land or some sort of racial genius is to put the cart before the horse the Jews were the fewest of all peoples or correctly all the tribes of Israel were the fewest of all peoples including Judah yet the Lord loved them, chose them, and separated them for himself. He declares his word to Yaakov, his statutes, and the judgments to Israel. All right? He has not done so with any other nation, which is a significant statement in the entire Bible. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. This is in Psalm 147, verse 19 and 20. In sum, having the very words of Yah is no cause for Jewish pride, since the initiative was entirely Yah's, yet it is in every way a great advantage. And so this is important to understand that, ladies and gentlemen. There is advantage to Jewish teachings and, and Jewish wisdom and so forth. And you can do some research on the significant impact that Jews have made, not just religiously, but outside of religion. The Jews are, have, have made a significant uh, contribution to society. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I already talked about the, the two-house, the um, uh, teaching of that that is not a complete understanding of who all the tribes are and that teaching that there's only going to be um, one nation that exists that's not true when you look at the other prophecies in the millennium there's going to be other nations uh, Zechariah chapter or actually Isaiah chapter 19 reveals that Isaiah chapter 19 
verse 23, And that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt as one nation, to Isaiah as another nation, and the Isaiahs shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Isaiah, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Isaiahs. Verse 24 of Isaiah chapter 19, And that day shall Israel be the third, so Israel is one nation, Egypt another nation, uh, with Egypt and with Isaiah, a blessing in the midst of the land. And verse 25 of Isaiah chapter 19, Whom the master of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt as one nation, my people, Isaiah, the work of my hands as another nation, and then Israel, my inheritance. So there's going to be more than one nation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is incorrect teaching, and again, that certainly needs to be corrected. Uh, and because of that teaching, I know I, I, I speak to, to um, or I've spoken to an individual that's against the two-house teaching, but I believe that it needs to be presented in a, in a way that I'm presenting it, and that would perhaps give them, um, maybe they'll be open-minded to understanding that uh, the Jews are ta- they're specifically talking about not all of Israel, but part of Israel, uh, that specific tribe of Judah. And like I said, if there's any Messianic Jews, these are Messianic Jews are people who are Jews that believe in Yeshua, and but you, but you don't believe that Gentiles. I know there are some Messianic Jews that believe this, but a good portion of them don't believe what I'm about to tell you. They don't believe that the Gentiles or people that's outside the tribes should not keep. They don't believe they should keep the Sabbath and holy days. They don't believe that even if someone who was a Gentile or of an unholy or, or unholy, they they graph onto the um, true teachings of Messiah that we should keep Sabbath and holy days. They don't believe that that individual or individuals should keep Shabbat and holy days. That's what they believe. Uh, there there are some that believe, but there are some that don't believe that. So that that's the, the confusion there. That's the debate within the Messianic Judaism uh, community which I hope uh, gets resolved soon. So, um, this program is going a little longer than I thought um, because this is a, a serious issue here in the Hebrew Roots movement. And you need to understand what Hebrew Roots is and where it comes from and, and where it's going. So that's why I'm spending the time uh, to go into it here. All right, so I quoted those scriptures. Of John 4 verse 22 and Romans 3 verse 1 to 2 And to summarize what I have presented to you today Oh, here's another thing Uh, I suggest you get this book called Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel By David Sternick And it kind of gives you uh, some understanding of this movement That uh, the Messianic Judaism, he states here uh, Was Restored in 1988, and this is what I'm trying to find exactly what he uh, states here to, to back this up in the book. So this is an excellent book. I have actually read this book. Uh, this book will certainly give you a greater understanding of how even Hebrew roots, uh, how it expanded, how it awakened, and so forth. And he says in 1988. And keep in mind, though, that Mr. Armstrong was teaching a good portion of Hebrew roots or uh, the fact that we should embrace some things that Jews have done today by keeping the Sabbath and the holy days. So I just want to point that out 
uh, to you about that. But this is an excellent book. It's called Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel. Very, very important book, I believe, for you to read. Because uh, it will certainly, certainly help you to understand uh, this movement and where it's going. So I really implore you to uh, to get the book. But I'm going to read some things that I wrote in the, this article that I wrote several years ago. Uh, the article is called The Work of God. I suggest that you read it. It's uh, one of the first articles I wrote. Actually, it may have been the first article I wrote when Yah called me into ministry. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and read this uh, slowly. <clears throat> Man, this may come as a shock to many Christians listening to me. But Yah or God states in His Word that the gospel is for the Jew first, and also the Greek or everyone else. And this is found in Romans one verse sixteen. Why did God state this in His Word? Because God gave the Jews the ability to understand and preserve the orders or laws of God. I just went over that. At Romans 3, verse 1 to 2. And Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 to 2. Now, Matthew chapter 20, well, I'm going to go over that as I continue on here. This is the advantage that the Jews have over everyone else. Again, Yeshua, who is a Jew, stated that the salvation is of the Jews. The first century church was mostly a Jewish church. Christianity came from Jews. Yet, what is the message of the Jewish gospel? The gospel is for everyone. Yet, the true and complete gospel has Jewish characteristics and foundation. Messiah, when he identified himself as the Messiah in one of the many Jewish synagogues of his day, stated the following. This is found in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Master is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Master. The message of the Jewish gospel is that salvation is offered to mankind through Yeshua Messiah. It's found in Romans 1, verse 1 to 6, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4, John 10, verse 27 to 28. If you need to review any scriptures that I quote, you can always rewind this when this message is recorded in the archives. And that we must prove to God that we believe him through righteous works. This is found in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, James 2, verse 14 to 26, and John 3, verse 16 to 21. We must bear fruit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. This fruit is produced by studying and obeying the Torah, the law or commandments of God, learning how to communicate to God and mastering the art of human relations. You can find this article that I'm quoting from, from my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com. Click Work of God. Additionally, the gospel message is designed for the Jew first, or especially in everyone else. Romans 1, verse 16. Romans 2, verse 9 to 11. The resurrection will occur when the Jews understand that Yeshua is the Messiah, when all Israel, and that means the majority, is saved. Romans 11, verse 15. And then verse 25 to 27, Revelation chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11 to 16. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 12 to 13. And Zechariah chapter 12. Elohim, or God, will transform believers' bodies into spirit. John 3, verse 3 to 8. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 to 58. 
Believers will have faces that shine like the sun and spiritual bodies that glow like the moon and the stars. Matthew chapter 13, verse 43. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 to 3. Believers will rule with Messiah as kings and priests. Revelation 5, verse 10. Revelation 20, verse 4 to 6. Believers will help beautify the universe. Romans 8, verse 16 to 23. Churches that preach a gospel that excludes the Jews or removes the Jews or does not acknowledge the Jewishness of the Bible is an incomplete gospel. I just quoted from Time magazine. A scholar has stated that. In most cases, the gospel that has currently reached 3.96 billion people is probably more, based on Joshua, the JoshuaProject.net website. Uh, 3.96 billion people worldwide is a Greek philosophy and thought gospel. And that's what it is, ladies and gentlemen. I have to be honest with you. It's a Greek philosophy and thought gospel. It's based on getting wisdom. That's all it is. It's not based on teaching you that God's wisdom is repetitive, it's circular. You review it over and over and over again. It's, it's, all, it's based about getting something, learning something new all the time, and that's found in Acts chapter 17, that concept. It is similar to trying to drive, preach, and teach the Bible without the gas, the Jews, their history, their background, their righteous traditions, and their correct interpretations. And I stated there's many correct interpretations of the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, by the Jews. The true and complete gospel message should attract the Jews and provoke them to righteous jealousy to find out that Yeshua is the Messiah, Romans 11, verse 11. Remember, what advantage has the Jews? What is the value of being circumcised? Much in every way. In the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, complete Jewish Bible. God chose the Jews to lead the world to righteousness. The Jews are not superior to everyone else, yet God did choose them to lead the world to righteousness. John 14, verse 6. Yeshua, the greatest Jew who ever lived, stated, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 20 to 23. What does that say? Let's go to that scripture. Jeremiah, chapter uh, 8. These are scriptures that are undeniable, that we must study the Jews. And their teachings, their correct teachings about the Bible, to get a better understanding of the Bible. Zechariah, that is what Hebrew Roots is all about. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. Thus says the Master of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all the languages of the nations. And here we go. Several nations even take hold of the skin, skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that Yah is with you in the Jews. And God is still with the Jewish people. That's in Romans chapter 11. Just because they don't, they partially understand the Bible doesn't mean that, that what they do understand it has no value. That's what the Bible is indicating. Okay, so. He gave them special ability to, to teach the Torah of, of God. The fact that Yeshua came to earth as a Jew is ultimate proof of this. Yeshua commanded that we should obey the Jews' doctrines if they follow Moses' doctrines. And if they follow Moses' doctrines, they're following Yah's or God's doctrines. If they sit in Moses' seat, then they are following Moses. They do not add traditions that destroy the laws of uh, Elohim. And that's the requirement. If they sit in Moses' seat, in other words, if they are teaching correctly what Moses taught, then you should listen to them. That's what he's telling you. In Matthew, let's go there, Matthew chapter 23. And that applies to anybody, any any self-proclaimed teacher. If they're teaching correctly, you should obey them. 
uh, Matthew 23, or you should uh, listen to it. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then spake Yeshua to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they should be teaching what Moses taught. Verse 3. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, observe and do, but do not their works, for they say and do not. So he's commanding us to go by what the Jews teach, as long as they teach correctly, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he's telling you. That's a major statement from him, and that came from his own mouth. Uh, Matthew 23, verse 1 to 3. Matthew 21, verse 42 to 46. Uh, let's read that. Matthew 21, verse 42 to 46. It says, Yeshua said unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say unto you, The kingdom of Yah shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits. And this is prophecy that um, he started his own assembly, Yeshua, and many of those responsibilities that the Jews had were given unto the apostles. That's what he's talking about here in verse 44. But that doesn't mean that that does not discount the fact that God is still with the Jewish people and that they teach correctly in some areas. Fifty uh, percent, uh, they are not blinded on. And they have a very, very good understanding of the Tanakh, of the Old Testament. Verse 44. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. He is the stone, Yeshua. But on whoever it shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. And verse 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Yeshua is a Jew. The greatest Jew who ever lived, Hebrews 7, verse 14, Revelation 5, verse 5. He commands us to follow him and his example. John 10, verse 27. John 12, verse 26. John 14, verse 6. 1 John 2, verse 6. And 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Though or through the Holy Spirit, Yeshua should be living in us and we should have his mind, which is Jewish. He has a Jewish mind. Galatians 2, verse 20 tells you that he should be living, this Jew should be living in you. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, we do not have to become a physical Jew to be saved. Again, let me underscore this. We do not have to become a physical Jew to be saved, yet we must think like a Jew to be saved. And the reason why I say that is because the Bible says we should have the mind of the Messiah. The mind of the Messiah is a Jewish mind, ladies and gentlemen. Romans 2, verse 28 to 29, Zechariah 8, verse 20 to 23. It is a Jewish mind. The Bible commands us that we must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We must grow in his knowledge. And part of understanding our Savior, just like the Time magazine stated, is understanding the Jews because he was a Jew. Second Peter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace. This is Hebrew roots. Grow. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Master and Savior, Yeshua Messiah. That is another scripture explaining to you what Hebrew Roots is about. Hebrew Roots is the growing in the knowledge of our Master and Savior. And a great part of that is understanding that he was a Jew. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so we don't stop ever in our understanding of Yeshua. And to under, properly understand Yeshua, we must understand the Jews and how they are and how they think because our master is a Jew. He is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8 plainly states, Yeshua is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
And so we are commanded to grow in the knowledge of Yeshua, and you grow in his knowledge by understanding who the Jews are. Now, the Jews are... Now, there was ten righteous kings of the house of Judah. You have David, I, I, I say to Solomon, I just personally believe, this is my personal belief, that he repented. So you have David, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat, um, Josh, Amaziah, Uzzah, Hezekiah, and Josiah. And so there were ten righteous kings of the house of Judah. None of the house of Israel kings were righteous. And when I say house of Israel, house of Judah, there was a division between the two. As Ezekiel chapter 37 reveals, those 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 divisions will be united again in the future, and there will be one nation of, of 12 tribes, which the apostles will rule over. The Jews are prophesied to keep the law of Elohim and to teach the law of Elohim. Hosea chapter 11 verse 12 reveals this, 1 Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles. Hosea 11 verse 12, 1 Chronicles 5 verse 1 to 2, Psalm 60 verse 7, Psalm 108 verse 8, and Zechariah 8 verse 20 to 23. If you look at Psalm 60, verse 7, let's turn there. Psalm 60, verse 7. Psalm 60, verse 7. Gilead is my, Manasseh is my, Ephraim also is the strength of my hand. Judah is my lawgiver. So Judah, the Jews, they are responsible for teaching the people the Torah of God. But So you see right here the divisions of tribes here. Manasseh, Ephraim, and Judah. Manassas, United States, Ephraim consists of the British people, but also in a lot of cases Ephraim, since Ephraim was the leading tribe of Israel, uh, also can mean the, the, the ten tribes, including Manasseh. Okay? So that's something that we need to understand. And it also talks about Judah being my Torah giver. Okay? So Psalm 60 verse 7 explains to you that all the Jews aren't, all of Israel is not the Jews. Okay, and then Psalm 108, verse 8. Let's turn there. Psalm 108, verse 8. Uh, is a repetition of Psalm 60, verse 7. And then Hosea 11, verse 12. Hosea 11, verse 12. Hosea 11, verse 12. Compass me about with lies in the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful with the saints. All right, so Judah... It was prophesied that the Jews would keep Torah, and they have. And, and, and none of the kings of the house of Israel were considered righteous. This is found in 2 Kings 17, verse 1 to 23, and verse 22. Uh, the Second Kings writer, 2 second, second Kings 17, verse 1 to 23, and verse 22. So if you desire to be a Torah teacher, then you must get familiar with the Jews, their righteous tradition. Matthew 23, verse 1 to 3, Matthew 16, verse 6 to 12. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15, and 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, and correct interpretation of the Bible. Remember the foundation of the assembly of believers, apostles, and prophets is mostly Jewish. I would say probably all Jewish. Ephesians 2, verse 20, all the apostles were Jews. Yeshua is the ultimate Torah teacher, and when you allow him to teach you through the Holy Spirit, then you will become like him. Luke 6, verse 40, John 13, verse 13, John 16, verse 13 to 15. Currently, the religious Jews keep the commandments, they love the Torah, and keep all of Yah's holy days listed in Leviticus chapter 23. If you claim to be a believer in Yeshua, then you should be keeping all the commandments and the holy days just like Yeshua and the Jews. Yeshua's interpretation of the Torah 
and a summary of Yeshua's interpretation of Torah is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Luke chapter 6, verse 20 to 49. And the rest of the Bible should be used to filter out the cases where the Jews incorrectly interpret the Bible through their traditions, Matthew 15, verse 1 to 9, and also Matthew 7, verse 1 to 13. Yet the Jews have good traditions that are designed to motivate you to keep the Torah and the commandments of God to keep your mind focused on Elohim. It is wise to follow any tradition that will help you to obey Elohim. And then Matthew 19, verse 16 to 17 says, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is Yah. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So we need to keep Torah, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to enter life. Yeshua kept his father's commandments, John 15, verse 10. Yeshua kept all the holy days of Yah, listed in Leviticus 23, because he stated that he did not come to destroy Torah, Matthew 5, verse 17. Observing the holy days of Yahweh is part of obeying Torah. If Yeshua kept the Father's commandments in the holy days of Yah, listen to Leviticus 23, then we should do the same. The Ten Commandments are listed in Exodus 20, verse 1 to 17, Deuteronomy 5, verse 6 to 21. The Ten Commandments is a summary, or the Ten Words, are a summary of all the commandments that are listed in the Bible. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 to 3, Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, Matthew 4, verse 4, Matthew 28, verse 20. The summation of keeping all the commandments is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That's a Jewish concept. Matthew 7, verse 12, Galatians 5, verse 14. The Torah, or the Torah, and the prophets hang on the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. We must learn to love our neighbor, fellow human beings, as we love ourselves. Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15. All of the commandments of the Bible show us how to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We prove to, to God that we love him by loving our fellow human beings. 1 John 4, verse 20 to 21. Matthew 25, verse 37 to 40. Oppression, injustice, sicknesses, and death is eliminated through Yeshua Messiah. Luke 4, verse 18 to 29. If we believe in him and his son, then God, through Yeshua Messiah, will give us the gift of immortality and we will enter the kingdom of Yah. Romans 6, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 to 54. This is a great quote from the book, Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel, pages 30 to 31. On average, Jews live more corporately than most individualistic Westerners. And I say this to the shame of the church, which the New Testament proclaims to be one body. Indeed, the church can and should learn from the Jewish people, what it means to care for one another. I totally agree. To put this idea another way, my individual tie to Yahweh is direct, yet it is not alone. It is intertwined with yours. A gospel which ignores the intertwining of lives together in nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, as found in Revelation 7, verse 9, is overly simple escapist. No man is an island entire of itself. Yes, and this is true because the prophet Elijah thought that and then what did God tell him? There's 7,000 people that have not uh, uh, kneeled there, uh, kneeled down to Baal. And so he says that no man is an island entire of himself. Scriptural religion is not practiced in the lotus position. And, and, and some people in, this, in the Hebrew movement believe that it is practiced in the lotus position. Not only will an overly uh, inward Directed gospel failed to attract people more attuned to the good of society, which 
many Jewish people are, but it fails to represent full the concerns of God. Moreover, even people whose interest is their own personal well-being need to hear the corporate aspects of the gospel. In fact, they need it more, since a major aspect of salvation for them may involve turning from a selfish, egocentric approach to life and adopting Yah's approach to life, which is orientated toward others. Leviticus 19, verse 18, Philippians 2, verse 111. Thus, a gospel lacking a focus on corporate and societal elements failed to be the whole counsel of God for anyone. This is found in Acts 20, verse 27 again. Please get this book and read it, Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel, pages 30 to 31. The, the Jewish Gospel of the Kingdom, which is uh, defined in Luke 7, verse 19 to 22, Luke 16, verse 16, is linked with the poor and the afflicted. It's a message about the way of life that is required to enter the kingdom of God. God desires for us to learn how to love our neighbor as ourselves and to have life more abundantly. This is the heart of the gospel message. This is found in Galatians 5, verse 14 to 26. James 2, verse 8 to 26. The Jewish gospel message should be a message of educating people to reach out and to love your neighbor as yourself via sincere charitable deeds of giving money to those in need, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, and providing shelter for strangers who have no shelter. These deeds or works are necessary for salvation. They prove to Yah that you do believe him and his son, that you do love your neighbor as yourself, and that you love him. They should not be taken lightly if anyone desires to be in God's kingdom. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46, and I think this is one other scripture. We're asking me um, tell you this. The reign of royal power of God is ruled by God. Everything is done God's way, and anyone that will not submit to the reign of God will be destroyed by the lake of fire. This is found in Malachi 4, verse 1 to 3, Psalm 37, verse 20, Psalm 68, verse 2, Psalm 104, verse 35, Revelation 21, verse 8, Revelation 22, verse 14 to 15, and Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 to 20. Therefore, it is very important to understand the way of life that is required for us to enter the kingdom of Yah, the halakha, the true halakha. Luke chapter 3, verse 9 to 17, Galatians 5, verse 14 to 26, James 2, verse 8 to 26, Matthew 19, verse 16 to 24, Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. Remember, one of the reasons why God sent Yeshua Messiah to this earth is to show us how to live so that we can live forever. John 10, verse 27 to 28. He is the way, which means the matter of conduct, deciding, thinking, or feeling. Strong's number 3598. The truth and the life, John 14, verse 6, 1 John 2, verse 6. Eternal life is knowing God the Father and Yeshua Messiah, John 17, verse 3. Ultimately, the Jewish gospel message shows us how to enter the kingdom of Yah. All right, and I'm going to do a... a Another Bible study explaining to you in detail what the entire message of the gospel is all about, ladies and gentlemen, because a good portion of people don't really understand what the gospel of the kingdom is all about, and I'm going to explain that in detail. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you truly understand what Hebrew Roots is all about. Is To simplify, is the understanding that we must view the Bible through a Jew's eye that we must 
grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Master, Yeshua, Messiah. And that involves understanding that he was a Jew and that the Jews were, there will be Jews ruling this world and that many of the Jews' teachings are correct in, in the area of the Old Testament. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you get something out of this. I hope you truly understand what Hebrew Roots is all about and where it's going, that we must have a complete understanding of the Bible because the true worshipers God is seeking, true and complete worshipers of his truth. That's who he is seeking, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to lead us into all truth. So the spirit that you should have in you should be leading you into all truth. Galatians 2, verse 20 states, it's plain that this Jewish, this great Jewish being, will be living in us and should be living in us. And if he is, then we should be acquiring his mind, his character, and how he thinks about things. And a lot of the way he thinks about things is Jewish. So don't run away from the Jewish part of it. And let me, this last scripture, to summarize what Hebrews is, ladies and gentlemen, in Romans, Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Neither is he, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision means that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. So you should be a Jew as far as character and how you think spiritually. It is not necessary to become a Jew physically, but to become a Jew as far as thinking, the way you think, yes. Um, when you understand this, we are the bride of Messiah. And if we are the bride of Messiah, those who understand the Torah completely, then we are Jews spiritually because our master is a Jew. And so we become one with him, just similarly to how Ruth stated in the book of Ruth uh, to Boaz, that your people will be my people and your Yah will be my God. So that's the same. We worship a Jewish king. He is the king, not only over Judah, but all of Israel, all the 12 tribes. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's increase our knowledge. Let's get deeper into the Hebrew roots. It's not just about keeping Sabbath and holy days. It's also about understanding he was a Jew and that we need to read the additional writings of the Jewish people to get a full and complete understanding of the Bible. And so, I, this message is also for those who are part of the splinter churches of the Worldwide Church of God. This message is for you to invite you to do what the, the scriptures indicate, what God commands, to get deeper into the Hebrew roots of the Bible, to get deeper into understanding that Jesus was a Jew and that you need to understand him as a Jew. Because after all, he stated that we know what we worship. And this is true. I know it. The Jews do know what they worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Of course they're blinded, but that, is, that does not give you any reason for you to be anti-Semitic toward them. And it states right here, right here in verse 18, this is a warning. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the roots, but the root thee. And it's talking about the, the Jewish root. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted. And this is Romans 11, verse 18 and 19. Verse 20, well, because of unbelief, and you've got to understand, Israel is thought of right now when it was written as the Jews because some of the, the tribes of Israel came back with the Jews, but not all of them. So they were considered all the Jews at this time. Okay, So that's how you understand this when you read this, even though earlier he talks about 
all of Israel, and that would certainly be uh, including um, all the rest of the tribes as well. When you when you understand Romans chapter eleven, uh, it states here Romans eleven verse eleven. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather do their fall. Salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. And when you understand it, the house of Israel, the the ten tribes, they they um, are found in other nation populations. Hosea 8, verse 8 tells you that. Uh, Romans 11, verse 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the mention of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to, to you Gentiles. And these Gentiles include, of course, the remnant of the house of Israel based on uh, Romans, I mean, 